Welcome to Awaken to Grace. Today we are in chapter 13 of our study of Revelation. I'm going to attempt today to answer questions that it seems like Christians have asked throughout all centuries. Who is the Antichrist? How will we recognize him? What is the mark of the beast? Well, friends, if you've listened to much teaching on Revelation, you know there is crazy and wild speculations. We're not going to do that today. We're going to keep our nose in the scriptures, and we're going to dig out what God's word says concerning this man of lawlessness, this man of perdition, this man that the Bible calls the beast and the mark of the beast. I'm glad you're with me today. We're going to be in Revelation 13, and we're going to study it line upon line, precept upon precept. So, you ready to dive in this morning? Caleb, let's jump in. Revelation chapter 13. Brother, take us through verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it... The dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. I love these scriptures, and I have waited months for us to get to this very point. If you're going to take notes today, this is one thing I really want to encourage you to do. After today's sermon, because I think everything's going to make a lot more sense to you after today's sermon. And after today, I want you to go and read Daniel chapter 7. It is a fascinating parallel when you look at Daniel 7 and Revelation 13 together. Now, we all know the term anti-Christ. Where does that come from? It comes from the Greek word anti-Christos, anti-Christ. And while John uses the term anti-Christ many times in his writings, in previous letters, and while it's used in Thessalonians and other places... It is interesting to me, the word antichrist is never used one single time in the book of Revelation. Why is that? Because John chooses a name for the antichrist that I want you to understand today. And it is this word, beast. The name means, in the Greek, it is theron. It means beast. This is a vile and a hideous creature. This is very different than the four living creatures that are in heaven before the throne of God. Some Bible translations use beast there. That's an unfortunate English word of the Greek word zoa because that's where we get our English word zoo. There are two completely different words. Just like you see here in verse 1, this beast has diadems. Remember we said there are two different Greek words for crowns. There is the Stephanos crown, which means to overcome. And then there are diadems. And that's why I like this. It says diadems. It means a ruling crown. Well, beast 
here is Therion, and this is the word that John is going to use throughout all of Revelation to describe the Antichrist, or we may say the pseudo-Christ. And this is something I find very fascinating. If you read Daniel chapter 7, Daniel talks about the rise of this, what, what the Bible calls this Antichrist. Daniel talks about his rise to power in Daniel chapter 7, but it's very interesting. Daniel describes these four global empires, and he says this. He says it's like uh, a lion, like the mouth of a lion. It's like a bear. And it's like a leopard. Now that's very interesting. But yet John says it is like a leopard, like a bear, and like a lion. Why is the order reversed in Revelation? Do you know why, my friend? Because Daniel is looking ahead in time. John is looking back in time. Therefore, the order is reversed. The parallels are striking. And you should sit down and just together read Daniel 7 and Revelation 13 and follow the whole thing together. It's quite fascinating. So let's get into this. Who is the Antichrist? Continue on, please, Caleb. Verse 3. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. Verse 4, and they worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? Now, there's some interesting things here that I want to point out. If you're somebody that you highlight, or you asterisk, or you underline, or whatever, make these things jump off the page at you. There's a couple of things here. Uh, Caleb, read, read verse 3 for me again, and let's just pick this apart for a minute. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. This is one of the first principles that I want you to understand. Every single thing that God does, Satan counterfeits. You have to understand that Satan is a master counterfeit. You look at when Moses was approaching Pharaoh in Egypt and the miracles that Moses did, Satan counterfeited, right? Satan has always been a counterfeit of God. And what we're going to see in this chapter is we're going to see the counterfeits that he has toward Jesus Christ. Was Jesus Christ not crucified and buried for how long? For three days and then rose from the dead? Well, according to this text, according to this chapter, the Antichrist, the beast, the Therion, he's going to receive a mortal wound to the head. And yet he's going to rise again. So much so that the Bible says that the world will marvel after him. Let me share with you, my friends, and, and, and I don't think this is a far stretch. I think you will agree with me. The world is becoming ripe for a man to walk on the global stage who has all the answers, who has every solution to every problem. The world is ripe for this. So people will ask questions about the Antichrist. Who is he? How will we know who he is? How will you recognize him? 
Well, if you're going to take notes this morning, let, let me, let, first of all, note the principle, Satan desires to counterfeit everything that Christ does. And just as the Antichrist, just as Christ was crucified and buried for three days, the Antichrist will be mortally wounded and will come back to life, thus staging a resurrection. Now, Will we know who this man is, what the Bible calls a man of lawlessness, what the Bible calls the son of perdition? 33 titles in the Old Testament, 13 in the New Testament. Will we understand who this man of sin is? Let me share with you for a moment. Don't waste your precious, valuable time and energy trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. Because 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 <coughs> tells us that man of lawlessness will not be revealed until the restrainer is removed. What did we say the restrainer is? The harpazo, the rapture of the church. This man of lawlessness will not be revealed until the rapture of the church occurs. So, people ask, well, is the Antichrist alive on the earth today? You know what my answer is? Absolutely yes. And if you and I were living 100 years ago, you know what my answer would be? Absolutely yes. If you and I were alive a thousand years prior, do you know what my answer would have been a thousand years ago? Absolutely, yes. Do you know why? Because, friends, the harpazo, the rapture, is such a mystery to Satan. He has no idea when Christ is returning, and you know what he must have? I believe in every generation, he must have a man prepared to step into that role. See, that's why believers in the 30s and 40s, that's why believers could so strong think that Hitler was the Antichrist. Was he the beast? No. But was he an Antichrist? Yes. See, John says many Antichrists are going to come. But see, I think because John says many Antichrists, many pseudo-Christ, because many Antichrists will come throughout the earth, there's only one beast. There's only one Theron and his false prophet, the other beast, which we're going to introduce in just a moment. So, who is the Antichrist? How will we know him? Friends, we won't. Because until the restrainer is removed, the Holy Spirit, and we who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, until we are removed, that man of lawlessness cannot be revealed. Why can that man of lawlessness not be revealed? Because, friends, you and I are restraining the evil on the earth today. Amen? And look around at how evil it is. Imagine what it will be when this church isn't here and all the other gospel-spreading churches in our city is not here. Imagine what the earth will be when millions upon millions of born-again believers are no longer on the earth. Imagine how evil will be unrestrained. You think the earth is evil right now? Friends, the earth hasn't seen anything yet. Continue, please. 
Verse 5. And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Read verse 4 for me, Caleb. Make sure I didn't miss anything there. Verse 4 says, And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. Yes, that's it. Now, who did we say last week that this, this dragon is? Who did we say that is? The Bible tells us very clearly there's no guesswork. It's Satan. The Bible calls him a red dragon. Why? Because it speaks of his vile, his cruel. And why red? Because it speaks of his murderous spirit. The Bible says that he is, the, that he is not only the father of all lies, but it says he's been a killer. He's been a murderer from the very beginning. Who do you think influenced Cain to kill Abel? It was that murderer Satan. The Bible called him in the previous chapter, in chapter 12, it called him the deceiver. It called him the devil. It called him the accuser of the brethren. It called him Satan. There's no guesswork who it is. And who does he give his power to? Who does he give his authority to? To the beast, to the Antichrist. Friends, you think Stalin was evil? You think Saddam Hussein was evil? You think that Adolf Hitler was an evil man. Listen, these were demon-possessed men, but they were not possessed by Satan himself. The Antichrist, the beast, the Therion, will be possessed himself by Satan. And he gives all his authority and all of his power to the beast. Continue, please. Verse 5. Verse 5 says, And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Mm. Now, this is very important. <laughs> it was allowed. Now, the dragon, we know who he is. That's Satan. He gave him his authority. But who is allowing this to go on for 42 months? God Almighty. Remember what we've encountered over and over and over in the chapters of Revelation? God saying it was given, it was granted, permission was given, authority was granted over and over. Let me tell you, God is in full control. And how long is Satan able to operate? He knows his time is short, according to the previous chapter. We read it last week. How long will he be able to operate on the earth? For 42 months. Friends, let's understand where we are in in the book of Revelation right now. According to chapter 13, where we are in the book, there is only 42 months left of human history as we know it. The Bible calls this time three and a half years. The Bible calls it 1,260 days. The Bible calls it time, times, and half a time, meaning three and a half years. Friends, the Holy Spirit cannot say it any clearer than how he is saying it. There is 1,260 days, three and a half years, 42 months, time, times, and half a time. And that is all that is left in human history at this point. So where are we? Where are we in the book? Where are we on the timeline? Follow me for just a moment. Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3 is called the church age. Friends, that's where you and I are living right now today. The air that we're breathing, this is an age of grace. This is, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. 
This is the age of grace. This is the age of the church of Jesus Christ. This is the age that Holy Spirit conviction falls upon a soul and a soul may repent of their sin and become a new creation and old things are passed away and everything shall become new. That's the age in which we live. But the window is closing. The door is about to shut. Revelation chapter 3, the final church age, is called Laodicea. And I believe right now we are living in the Laodicean age. And then what happens? A great transition happens in the book chapter 4. What happens? John hears a trumpet. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, John hears a trumpet, Revelation chapter 4, and he says, come up here, harpazo, and the rapture of the church takes place. And where is the church? Where are all of these born again, blood-bought saints of God? Where are they? We're around the throne of God. This is the beam of judgment seat. This is where we receive crowns of life for our labor and the life that we've lived. This is where we worship the Lamb of God around the throne. Revelation chapter 5, Jesus takes the scroll out of the right hand of the Father. Revelation chapter 6, he begins to break the seals. The first 42 months begins. The first 42 months begins. The first three and a half years of the tribulation. Revelation chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9 is where we find not only... Remember, there are three sets of judgments in the book of Revelation. Christ breaks the seals. That's the first set. It's called the seal judgments. How many are there? Seven. How many trumpet judgments? Seven. How many bold judgments? Seven. And what will help you in the book is if you see it like like reading a play or watching a play. The curtain will close and there are events up in heaven. And then the curtain rises and then the judgments begin. And between the sixth and the seventh judgment in all three, the seal, the trumpet, and the bold judgments, in all three judgments, the curtain closes in preparation for the seventh. In the seal, the trumpet, and the bold judgments, the judgments escalate in intensity upon the earth. They get greater and greater. Jesus said it's like a woman with birth pains. They get They get stronger as time goes. And so where are we in the book? The rapture has taken place, Revelation 4. We're around the throne of God, Revelation 5. Christ takes the seal. He breaks the scroll with the first seven judgments on the earth. That's Revelation chapter 6. We meet the 144,000 sealed Jews, and we see all that are born again, all the tribulation saints, Revelation chapter 7. And then we enter in into the trumpet judgments, Revelation chapter 8 and chapter 9. And then then we meet the two witnesses, Revelation 10 and Revelation chapter 11. That's the first time we meet the Antichrist. That's the midpoint of the tribulation. And now where are we? Chapter 12, chapter 13, there's 42 months left of human history. The first 42 months have passed. Now we're in the middle of the week, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. 
Daniel's 70th week of prophecy. We know a week means years. The last week, the last seven days, in other words, the last seven years at the three and a half year mark, the Bible calls it time, times, and half a time, singular, plural, and then half. Here we are with 42 months left. And what is about to be executed? The worst, the most serious, the most devastating judgments the earth has ever known. So much that Jesus said, if the days were not shortened, no flesh would survive. Continue, Dan, uh, Caleb. Verse 6, it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Isn't that interesting? He blasphemes God, he blasphemes the heavens, and friends, do you know who he's blaspheming? (laughs) Us, who are going to be dwelling in heaven. Those who dwell. Can you imagine after the rapture of the church takes place? Can you imagine the lies and the deceptions and the haughty and the blasphemous things that this beast will say about the millions of Jesus followers that are no longer here but are gone? Go on, please. Verse 7. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. So listen to the language. It was allowed to make war on the saints. Authority was given to it. Friends, for those of you that the book of Revelation scares you, friends, this is why it should not scare you. God is calling All the shots. The same God that loved you and died for you. The same God that changed your life. The same God that saved you. Is the same God that doesn't give up one inch of his sovereign power. Not an inch of it. Amen? Now this may trip some people up. Why is the beast given authority To make war on the saints. If chapter 7 and chapter 14 shows that the 144,000 will be protected. Well, no friends. Again, as you study Revelation, you cannot confuse categories of people. You have multiple categories of people. You have the 24 elders, which I believe is the church of Jesus Christ. You have Israel, the nation Israel itself. You have angels. You have the four living creatures. You have what the Bible calls those who dwell upon the earth or earth dwellers. Do you know why that's a separate category? Because, friends, we are not earth dwellers. We are pilgrims. We're only passing through here. Amen? This is not our final home. We're not earth dwellers. And then you have this other category called tribulation saints. Who are they? Well, if you remember chapter 6, these are they. Remember, John didn't recognize them. Why did John recognize the 24 elders, who is the church, us, 
But he didn't recognize tribulation saints because there are two different categories of people. And he, he, did, he had to ask an elder, who are these? And the elder said, these are they who have come out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. But, oh, friends, the price that they will pay to follow Jesus. Let me tell you, you're here today and you're not born again. Do not be foolish. Do not think, oh, well, if there is something to all of this, if, if a rapture ever does take place, oh, well, well, then I'll get serious then. Oh, what a foolish thing to say. Because you know what's going to be given to the beast? Authority to make war on those who love Jesus. Read at Daniel chapter 7. Of all the empires that Daniel sees, the three primary empires, this fourth one that he sees was unlike any other, is exceedingly greater than all the others. And Daniel marveled at it. And you know what Daniel said? Authority was given to him. And like teeth of iron, he killed the saints. He stamped out who was left. Friends, it's going to be an unbelievably sad and hard time for those who follow Jesus after the rapture of the church. So read that again, Caleb. He was given authority to make war. Read, read that again, please. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Mm. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. Mm. Next, please. Verse 8. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Mm. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Now listen, my friend. The most important thing about you today... The most important thing about me it's not your assets it's not your net worth it's not your savings or your IRA or your nest egg the most important thing about you is is your name written in the Lamb's book of life you say Chad how do I know that you know what John tells us in 1 John when he writes the letter of 1 John? These things are written that you may know that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Friends, you can know it today. How do you know it? When you have repented of your sin. When you turn from sin and you turn to Jesus Christ. That's how you know your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. It's the most important thing today. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know that your name has been written there? Continue. Verse 9 and 10. If anyone has an ear, let mm. him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Friends, they tell me that our auditorium is at capacity this morning. Anybody sitting in, in extra chairs today? No, I can't see you, so I don't know. They told me they brought out extra chairs. 
Maybe they lied to me. Maybe they just wanted me to feel good. <laughs> Are we at capacity? Okay, all right. Well, maybe they didn't lie. Good. <laughs> Friends, look around the auditorium today. You think it's full today? You think it's full? You let the rapture of the church happen. You let the rapture take place. This place will be standing room only. But where will you be? Will you be left here? Or will you go in the rapture of the church? Amen. Caleb, would you be a key holder to stay here? Would you be willing to? No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> Somebody's got to open the doors. How many of you vote Caleb? Say aye. aye. All right. As, Motion as passed. As, as long as I'm not still working at Pals, I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> oh, my. Next, please. <laughs> Verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. Now, isn't this interesting? Let's pause right here. This, okay, two beasts in this chapter. Remember Therion. Two beasts. One rises out of the sea. The, the other rises out of the earth. Who is this? The Antichrist rises out of the sea. Will the Antichrist be a Jew? Will the Antichrist be a Gentile? Will the Antichrist be a Muslim? Scholars speculate that because he'll come out of the sea, that speaks of Gentile in nature. Could be. It's an assumption. But who's the second beast that rises out of the earth? The second beast is what's called the false prophet. That's what he's called in other scriptures. Now, Again, what's our first principle today? Everything that God does, Satan counterfeits, right? Who is God? Elohim is how the Bible describes him in Genesis chapter 1. God says, when it says, in the beginning, God, the Hebrew there, is Elohim, meaning plurality. When God says, let us make man in our own image, who is God speaking to? Not the angels. The Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our own image, Elohim, plurality. And just as you have God the Father who planned our salvation, just as you have God the Son who purchased our salvation on the cross of Calvary, just as you have God the Holy Spirit that indwells and personalizes our salvation, so you have this unholy, satanic trinity. You have Satan who's trying to mimic God the Father and then you have the Antichrist, the Pseudo-Christ, the beast, the Therion, who is trying to mimic the Son, Jesus Christ. Who does the dragon give all his authority and power to? The beast. Who did God give his power and authority to? Christ, Jesus, his Son. Who was killed and rose again from the dead? Christ, who's mortally wounded and rises the Antichrist, Antichristos. 
the beast, Therion. And what is the role and what is the work of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit points men and women and students and boys and girls. The Holy Spirit points people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit puts our eyes on Jesus. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to worship, how to pray, how to intercede, how to live godly lives. How to make Jesus the center of our life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Caleb, read for us what the third part of this unholy trinity, this false prophet. Oh, let me say this before you read, Caleb. He had two horns. What does that mean? In the Old Testament, horns were an idiom for great power. Why does he only have two horns? What this speaks of? Is his control of religious, of uh, religion on the earth. And number two, of the economy of the earth. The economy. He is going to mandate, isn't that a sensitive word right now? (laughs) He is going to mandate worship the beast how is he going to do it all power all authority was granted to them over every tribe language people nation two horns it speaks of his now now the the antichrist is going to have all the political power the false prophet is going to have all of the religious power and all of the economic power In the coming weeks, we're going to get into Babylon. We'll call it the mystery of Babylon. What is Babylon? Is it a physical, literal city? Or is it spiritual? The answer may surprise you. And we'll get there in a couple of weeks. Caleb, continue. Verse 12. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence. Mm. And makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. Ah, See, remember, don't, don't miss it. The counterfeiting. What does the Holy Spirit do? Points people to Jesus. Adrian Rogers said it so well. If the Holy Spirit led a parade, he would point all eyes to Jesus. What's his false prophet going to do? He's going to cause everyone on the earth to worship the beast. What do we say? Satan is a pure counterfeit. Do you know what Satan wants that Christ has? Worship. Worship. And here, he's going to have it. Continue. Verse 13. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. What do we say? Counterfeit? Didn't God do this with Elijah on Mount Carmel in the Old Testament? Continue, please. Verse 14. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Now, watch this. What's going to be the role of the false prophet? To deceive the earth. Friends, do you think the earth is ripe for deception? You better know it is. Without stepping my toes into politics, because I have no desire to do that, 
you realize the same people who's telling us to follow the science are the same people who say men can have babies? They're the same ones who say that men can now compete in women's athletics? And yet they say, follow the science? That's the height of hypocrisy. But why is culture buying into it? Because let me tell you the gospel news today, my friend. 2 Thessalonians 2 says that when the restrainer is removed and that man of lawlessness, you and I seeing lawlessness in the earth today? You better know we are. And is it going to increase? According to the scriptures, it will. And what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, I've referenced it many times today, when the restrainer is removed, the Holy Spirit and we who are indwelt, when the restrainer is removed, that man of lawlessness will be revealed. And it says God will send a wave of delusion upon the earth that they'll follow him. Friends, I believe what we're seeing right now in our day I believe it's the first outer band of that wave of delusion. The earth is ripe for deception. And what's going to be the chief role of this second beast, this false prophet? He's going to deceive the earth. Continue, please. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Now, now, now think about this. It says he was, he was given power to give... Read, read, read that again. Let me get this right, Caleb. Read that again. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, hmm. so that the image of the beast might even speak. Okay. Now... Isn't this interesting? If you and I lived hundreds of years ago, how could we explain this? Oh, it's demonic. Make no mistake. It's demonic. But how much easier is it for us to understand something like this given artificial intelligence? Right? Look up A-G-I. If you think artificial intelligence is something... Look at the race between China and the United States right now for who is going to control A-G-I, which is a super artificial intelligence. And how will they know who's worshiping and who's not? How will they know if people refuse to worship? Oh, he's going to tell us. Continue on, Caleb. Verse 16. Also, it causes all both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. Verse 17, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Verse 18, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Now, what did we say the false prophet? Why two horns? An idiom of power. Why two horns? Because he'll control religion, worship, 
and he'll control the economy. Why is Babylon so important? Because Babylon is going to be the center of world commerce. It's going to be the center of world government, and it's going to be the center of world commerce. And how will they control this? No one will buy nor sell except they have the mark. Now, let me answer an important question. Christians will often ask, can they receive the mark of the beast by accident? Can they receive the mark of the beast by mistake? Caleb, take us to Zechariah chapter 11, verse 17. I'm going to close today with this scripture. Can a Christian receive this mark? Now, what is this? Karagma, I believe, is the Greek word for this. Karagma literally means a brand or a seal. What have we said through the whole chapter? Whatever God does, Satan counterfeits. Do you remember what God did with the 144,000? He sealed them on their foreheads, right? That's chapter 7. Read it for yourself. God seals the 144,000 on their forehead. What is Satan going to do with 42 months left in human history? As he knows his time is short, what is he going to do? He's going to create a mark. This is a brand. This is a loyalty. This is a pledge allegiance, if you will. For this reason, I don't believe that someone will receive the mark of the beast unknowingly. I don't think they will receive the mark uh, <coughs> by accident. No, this is going to be a willful choosing to follow this Therion, this beast. Now, scholars believe that Zechariah 11.17 is a reference to the Antichrist. There are multiple references to him in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, the most mentioned figure in the Bible is Jesus Christ. You know who the second most mentioned is? Antichrist. You know the number one mentioned city in the Bible? Jerusalem. You know the number two? Babylon. And see where the story is taking us. It's going to take us the story of two men and two cities. It's going to be fascinating. And wait till we come to when the angel proclaims, fallen, fallen is Babylon. And you know what we're going to do from the balconies of heaven? We're going to thunder out a hallelujah. Amen. Boy, that's going to be fun. I can't wait to get there. I can't go there today. I'm out of time. <laughs> Zechariah eleven seventeen. Boy, hadn't the Lord helped me today? My goodness, I felt so bad in the 9 a.m. I could go another 20 minutes, but I won't. I won't. So scholars believe this is a reference to the Antichrist. If it is, this is highly interesting. Caleb, read verse 17 for me. Zechariah eleven seventeen says, Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. Now, worthless shepherd here. Another, some translations say idol, as in an idol to be worshipped. 
Again, that links Daniel 9, 27, because in the midway point, he'll be worshipped as an idol. This is what the false prophet sets up that you just read, Caleb, in chapter 13, that breath will be given to it and it will speak. This is the idol worship. Woe to that worthless shepherd. Woe to that idle shepherd who deserts the flock. If indeed this is the Antichrist, as scholars believe it is, this is the only physical description in the Bible about the Antichrist. But what does it tell us? He'll be blinded in his right eye. What does Revelation 13 tell us? A mortal head wound. And his arm will wither, the right arm will wither and be drawn up. In other words, his arm will be incapacitated and his right eye will be incapacitated. If the mark, the krogama, if this brand, if this seal is an allegiance to the beast, could that explain why the Bible says the right hand or the forehead? I tend to think that that's the case. Why 666? This is where I'll, I'll finish today. Why 666? Now, you shouldn't freak out if something lands on 666. If you have a credit card ending in the last three digits or 666, you shouldn't shred it up. 666 is not your number. It's his number. It's the number of man. What do we say God's favorite number is? Seven. What's the number of man? Six. Why 666? Because you know what this is? This is the height of human ingenuity. This is the height of... This is what began at the Tower of Babel under Nimrod that now thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, man. But see, there's a group that the Lord sets his love on. <laughs> there's a group whose name were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the world were ever laid.